Thanks, guys. That was beautiful. Well, good morning, Harvest Point. Glad to see y'all here. I know you're used to Jonathan, but you're stuck with me this morning. <laughs> and it could be worse, right? <laughs> um, so we've been talking about for the last few weeks um, living the five or the five um, areas of the disciples. <coughs> excuse me the five area principles of Christian living. And we started off with fellowship, and it was entitled, um, We Can't Do This Alone, that we need each other and that we need God. We need those relationships to grow and to expand. Um, discipleship was the next one, and it was growing people change people. And that one was kind of talking about, you know, God meets us right where we are, who we are. We don't have to change that, that he has us and that he can do his magic and work at, and change us from within. Then the next one was ministry. And that one was saved people, serve people. Um, and serving is life-giving. If you've never been on a mission trip or you've never... Um, done anything outside of Harvest Point, I encourage you to do that. Uh, those things are life-changing. Um, Tommy says, uh, after we've been to Honduras a couple of times, it rearranges your mental furniture. And that's what serving can do. It makes you realize just how blessed we are and how by caring to, to someone that we don't even know makes a huge difference in their lives. And then the, the one we talked about last week was evangelism. Found people, find people. And Jonathan said this is the most difficult one for us to do. And I agree with that in a lot of ways because when we all think of evangelism, how many of us think about going and knocking on doors and putting something in a mailbox and that kind of stuff, right? That's what we think about evangelism. Well, evangelism to me is not just that. It is that, don't get me wrong. But to me, it's also opening a door, picking up something someone dropped. It's just being there for people because God loves them and so should we. And so the last one we're going to talk about, let's see if this works, there we go, is worship. Whoops, went too far. Worship is a lifestyle. That's what the title is for this one, is worship is a lifestyle. So when most people think of worship, what do you think of? You think of music, right? The different styles and, and uh, genres of music you know, hymns, art, what we do, praise and worship, that kind of stuff. And that is worship, don't get me wrong. And, but there's also other things. And there's things that come across in our life that make us define worship to ourselves, if that makes sense. Because I remember as a child, growing up in a small country Baptist church, we had some great hymns. I remember being 10 years old singing in the choir because that's how small we were, you know. Anybody that could sing could, could come. And those are great memories. And also one of the things that really stick out in my mind, when a pastor wanted to make a point, he was going to beat on that podium every time. And he was going to yell. He couldn't just talk about his point. He had to yell it. And I thought to myself several times, you know, I get yelled at enough at home. I don't need this on Sunday morning because <laughs> I was just that child. <laughs> and some people grew up in the very formal church. You had the robe, your pastor was in robes, your choir was in robes. Everything was very structured. You know, you did the same thing every Sunday. And we've all been in those kind of churches, right? 
And there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing at all. That is worship style. But I also want us to think about other ways of worship. Is this worship? And these little girls that were here this morning were so cute. I just love that. What about this? Could this be worship? Or here, Habitat for Humanity. Is that worship? This we all know is worship. And fellowship, support. I loved this picture because they were leaning on each other. And that's what we have to do. What about this? Just stopping to talk to somebody who most people just walk away from. Make them, they feel like they're less of a citizen because they're homeless. What about this? You think about this one? Taking care of the planet that God gave us? Could that be worship? Well, I recently looked up the definition of the word worship. <clears throat> and it says that it's a noun and a verb. Um, in the noun definition, it says, reference offered to a divine being or supernatural power, a form of religious practice with its creed or ritual, extravagant respect, admiration, or de- devotion to an object or esteem, a person of importance. And the verb definition was to honor or show reverence to a divine being or supernatural power. So I think that worship is an action. And it tells us in 2 Samuel 6, 12 through 15, and then again 17 and 18, the people told David, the Lord has blessed the family of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because the ark of God is there. So David went and brought up from Obed-Edom's house to Jerusalem with joy. When the men carrying the ark had taken six steps, David sacrificed a bull and a calf. Then David danced with all his might before the Lord. He had on a holy linen vest. David and all the Israelites shouted with joy and blew the trumpets as they brought the ark of the Lord into the city. David put up a tent for the ark of the Lord, and then the Israelites put it in its place inside the tent. David offered whole burnt offerings and fellowship offerings before the Lord. When David finished offering the whole burnt offerings and the fellowship offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord all-powerful. Did I jump one? Oh, yep. I'm sorry, y'all. I'll get the hang of this in a minute. <laughs> so we see in these verses that David gave his all to worship. There were several things that kind of stick out. He dressed in a linen vest. And in those times, those linen vests were reserved for the priest in the temple, very plain, plain Jane, so that the, the um, emphasis was on the Lord, not necessarily what they dressed at. So you can imagine if David comes in with all his kingly garb and jewelry and stuff, people would be oohing and on at him, and that's not what he wanted. He wanted people to be reverent and the ark and realize what they had in their city. The other thing is he danced. Now, in those times, dancing was only for women. Men didn't dance. So for David to actually dance, that set 
a, a precedent in that there was nothing that wouldn't work to worship and honor God. Um, then it shows that he had a commitment to God. That was his commitment. He was solely committed to God. And we remember that in those early days. Uh, David worshiped with joy. And that's one thing that really stuck out of me in these scriptures is that he had joy. Now, I'm the first one to say that there are some Sunday mornings I come coming up in here like this. Okay, it's Sunday, I'm here. But God wants us to worship with joy, to have joy. There's an importance, too, in the sacrifices that he made. The bull and the fatty calf after only taking six steps. There's some... Studies that show that when people tried to move the ark, after six steps, they would die. And so David realized this, so he decided that if he made the burnt offerings, that maybe his folks would live. And that's exactly what happened. <clears throat> he offered that sacrifice, and then again he offered it when it was at its final resting place to show exactly how much he uh, was thankful for what God had done for him. The offerings were seen as fellowship and peace. And those were the absolute best of the best. They gave the best cows, the best calves. And for those who couldn't afford that, you know, were not rich, they gave the best pigeons or the best um, goats or whatever they had. But it was always their very best. But, you know, Jesus' sacrifice on the cross changed that. We don't have to have an altar up here and burn uh, animals and doves and stuff. We now, because of Jesus' ultimate sacrifice, <clears throat> he came to give us the opportunity to have the relationship with God without these um, offerings. We are constantly in God's presence. And I think sometimes we tend to forget that. God is everywhere, always. And sometimes we kind of get busy in our, in our everyday lives and doing our thing. And I think we sometimes forget that. Um, we, we show offerings in fellowship with each other and by helping others in need and taking care of other people. <clears throat> and in taking care of this planet that God gave us. We can't forget about that. And we see that more and more um, with what they call global warming. And we all know that used to this time of year... In Georgia, we weren't wearing shorts. We used to wear jeans and sweatshirts. And now we don't bring those out till Thanksgiving, if, if then. So we have to take care of this planet. So worship is an attitude. What kind of attitude do we have with worship? <clears throat> is it only an hour on Sunday morning at church? And that's okay. God wants to be with us so much more than just once a week, though. Believe it or not, Satan tries his best to get in, even in here, to get between us and God. I mean, I myself have spent some time writing a grocery list and um, thinking, where do I want to go for lunch? Or, did I turn the crock pot on? Did I arm the alarm for the house? Those are the little things that cause Satan to keep us from hearing a word or a sentence or a verse or something that we need to hear. And don't get me wrong, he is extremely good at that. It doesn't matter who you are or how close to God you are. That's still what Satan wants to do. Our attitude must be one of open hearts and open minds. If we open our hearts and open our minds, there's nothing 
nothing that can stop us from worshiping God. There's no, no action, no attitude that, as long as it's focused on God, can't be a worship. God seeks us out for worship. And it says here in John 4, 23 and 24, The time is coming when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And that time is already. You see, the Father too is actively seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. It's important to spend time with God and in His Word. This He speaks to us and shows us how we can worship Him. And honor him in other ways just besides our Sunday morning worship. It shows us on a personal level his love for us and his love for our serving. Because, excuse me. Because of the love he gives us. We must be aware of how we act after we leave here on Sunday morning. And I can't. I always think about that sometimes when I go, uh, I mean, there's a lot, and I've seen a lot of you, you leave here and you go to Publix, right? You pick up your groceries. Well, if you get irritated, which I sometimes do, at the folks standing in line at the deli trying to get their lunch, and, you know, they're piddling around or you're in a hurry or those things, it's like you, it's like we, and I say you, I, I mean we, uh, it's like we forgot what we were here for an hour ago. You know, why, what, what good did what we listened to, did it resonate in, in who we are and what we do? Love is both an action and an attitude. Jesus tells us that this is the most important commandment. In Jesus' time, the Pharisees were considered experts in the law, the Jewish law, and of temple, and that type of stuff. And in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven through 40, one of these Pharisees tries to trick Jesus into contradicting that law. And it says, he replied, You must love the Lord with all your heart, with all your being, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. You must love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commandments. So we see here that Jesus' response to these Pharisees was quite simple. Love your God with all your heart, all your being, and all your mind. Love is the most sought-after emotion for the human race. And to prove that, I got some statistics off Google <clears throat> at the, amount, the dating services. I mean, I'm sure you all get ads for dating services. Everybody has those out there. They have a combined revenue of $602 million. They have 44 million online users, which means they just used the computer. Then they have another 26 million users on your phone. That many people want to find love. And that's kind of sad 
because God's love is here. It's everywhere. It doesn't cost anything. And it's not going to leave you. It's not going to cheat on you. And it's not going to walk out the door. But that's what people want. They want love. So for us, how do we do that? Well, we show compassion, for first, first of all. Compassion for others and what they're going through and what is um, maybe a death in the family or just struggling financially or being overwhelmed. How do we show compassion to those people? How many people in our congregation right now need somebody just to let them vent and say, it's going to be okay, God's got this. Are we those people? Do we go home and do we just not look at others? Do we just forget? Yeah, I do it sometimes. I leave here and I don't think about anybody else in this building until the next Sunday morning. But then there are some times that God puts somebody on my heart and I'll send them a text or I'll give them a call. And I think sometimes that those little things that we do in worship to God because we're caring for his creation and his people. But sometimes we all know that love is hard to do, especially to those people who are a little hard to love. So what does worship look like? Some examples of how to worship are seen in Colossians 3, 16 through 17. The Bible tells us the word of Christ must live in you richly. Teach and warn each other with all the wisdom by singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Wherever you do, whatever you do, whether it in speech or action, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus and give thanks to God the Father through him. I want to read that one one more time. Whatever you do, whether it be in speech or action, do it all in the name of Lord Jesus and give thanks to God the Father through him. So what do we do with God's love? How do we take action with an attitude of worship? Well, as we said, we love others and be kind. Kindness is the most simple that doesn't cost us anything, it, and it, it helps us to show God's love to those that might not see it any other, any other way. When I think about that, I think about the homeless person that someone just stopped and talked to. The Word of Christ must live in us. We must spend time with God, reading His Word. This is how we ourselves put a positive example out to Christ to everyone around us. We have to arm ourselves with what we know, and in order to learn, we have to study his word. Teach others with wisdom by singing with gratitude. Whether it's a hymn, a psalm, or a spiritual song, we need to have gratitude in our hearts and sing with great joy, no matter how off-key or off-rhythm it would be, right? It says make a joyful noise. I mean, we can't all be part of the praise team, right? I don't know if you ever look at those who sing here. But for me, when I'm up here and I'm singing, if my eyes are closed, that is such a worship. I noticed that Becca does that. I can tell when she's really into singing, her eyes are closed. Oscar does the same thing. 
And you can feel the energy and the love that comes off of this team when they're up here, or I can. That's the one thing to think about. That's their way of serving God. And that's their way to have the attitude and the action of worship. The last thing is we need to make sure our actions and our speak, speech be the attitude. Remember, there are always, others are always watching us. When I thought about this on the... Um, when I thought about this, the song Rodney Atkins sang in the 90s, I've been watching you, about the little boy, they're riding down the road and he slams on brakes and the kid's fries go everywhere and his drink goes in his lap and he says the S word and the dad goes, where did you hear that? And the kid goes, well, dad, I've been watching you. I want to be like you. I'm your buckaroo. And so think about that. You don't know that these little ones here are watching what we do not only here in worship, but when we leave. No, we're not perfect, and you're not going to be perfect all the time. God knows I'm not. I'm the first one to say, I'll screw up before I get to the house today. But those little ones are watching us. And if you've ever, I, I love it, if you say something to a child, Abigail repeated something to me and Emily a few weeks ago, and I thought, and she heard that from her mom. <laughs> sure enough, <laughs> Julie was like, now, Abigail, we don't say things like that. At <laughs> that was between us. So they hear it. They hear it. They see it. They, you know, they imitate us. I mean, I don't, I, I have a picture of my niece, who, my cousin, who's now almost 30 years old, but she was like five, and she was standing at her little kitchen and she had her play phone on, and she was doing this with her nails. And I thought, yeah, she's seen Aunt Melissa do that a thousand times. They mimic everything we do. So if we're kind, won't they be kind? If we reach out to those less fortunate and worship God, if they see us in our Bibles, if they see us listening to uh, the Christian station and jamming out at the stoplight, isn't that what they're going to do too? We must give thanks. I give thanks for my time as a kid growing up in those worship services. They made me who I am today. They set my foundation for what I feel is worship. That's what we can do for these kids. We set that foundation for them. My mom and dad and my grandparents set the example for me, and they always did their best. And I, f I also realized that when, when you get in that 40-ish, 50-ish age group, and your, kid, your kids are running you everywhere, you know, football, baseball, basketball, volleyball, um, you know, all this kind of stuff, and come Sunday morning, you think, this is the only day I have to just rest and recoup. But my nephew, Bailey, when he was about three, we were talking about, you know, um, what we were going to do the next day. It was a Saturday afternoon. We were all together. And he looked at my mom and dad and said, it's Sunday. You're supposed to go to church. <laughs> and it's funny. But from that day on, my parents got back into church. So it's funny how you little ones can also help us in our worship. What I want you to understand is there's no wrong way to worship. But I also want you to open your minds and open your hearts 
and try to figure out what worship is to you. How your worship can reach to others. And how what you do in your everyday life shows God his glory. One more story and then I'm going to close. Last week at work, we had a lady in the MRI suite. And it just so happened that once a month or so, our group gets together and has a dinner. So we were all downstairs in the MRI area um, eating lunch and stuff. And this lady in the MRI started having a panic attack. So they brought her out, and her daughter was there, and her daughter went in to start talking to her to try to calm her down. And she just started screaming at her daughter. I can't believe you've done this to me. Why am I here? I don't like this. I hate you. Just everything possible, nasty that she could say to her daughter. Well, this upset her daughter. So my coworker and I got her, got her daughter upstairs in, the, in our waiting room. And, of course, you know, with COVID, everybody's not allowed in, so it's pretty structured as to who can come in. So we got this lady and we started walking her around and all she could say was, I got to get a work excuse for my husband. I just lost my job. He can't lose his job. I need a work excuse. Where do I need to go? I mean, over and over and over and over again. And I said, well, I'll tell you what, give me your mom's name, your husband's name, and I'll take care of it. So I went and got the paperwork, took it out to him and talked to him and said, you know, there's been a little hiccup, your mother-in-law, freaked out, <clears throat> and, um, you know, it upset your, your wife, but we're taking care of her. So I go back in, and when I get back to her, my friend Wendy, my coworker, and one of our transporters, LaTanya, were talking to her, and they were, LaTanya had just been through the same thing. So she was talking to the lady and telling her what she went through, and she was starting to calm down, and something came over me. So I put my hand on her shoulder, and I said, can I pray with you? Is that Okay. And I just prayed for her. And I prayed for her peace. And I prayed for her mother's healing. And when, that, when we finished, that lady took a deep breath and said, okay, I can do this now. Take me to mom. She needed that comfort from somebody who'd been through it and said, it's going to be okay on the other side. And she just needed somebody to show a little bit of compassion. You can do it in your everyday work. Now, do I do that every day? Heck no. But it, when you feel God saying to you, you need to pray with this person. Or you need to um, give that homeless person a dollar. Do it. That's your worship. That's your action. And if we keep that attitude, we will be open for those areas of action. Let's pray. Hey, God, we come to you now thanking you for all that you've done for us, for allowing us this time together to worship you. And as we go throughout this week, let us remember that Sunday morning is not the only time to worship. It is the quiet time. It's the singing in the car. It's the reading of your word, and it's helping those in need. And it is taking care of the earth that you gave us. Be with us now as we join this morning in singing our last verse. Let us glorify you in all we do and sing your praises with gladness. Amen.